All right, welcome, welcome into episode number 80 of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. We have a great show for you planned out today. We're going to be going over some combine numbers as well as the early free agency badness. I'm going to lose my head at the end of the episode about the potential of not having Aaron Rodgers. So stay tuned all the way to the end if you want to hear me just absolutely break down and uh, have a single tear in my eye. I, I will say I had a single tear in my eye. Wanted to thank our presenting sponsor. Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the presenting sponsor of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Let's go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 80 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. It is Thursday, March 9th, whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Welcome, welcome in. We have everyone back again this week, which is always a joy to have. Jace holding it down in the desert. Max, super producer up in the land, and I am currently on a business trip in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Peter. I am excited for today's show. I feel rejuvenated, and I'm excited to talk some fantasy football with the boys. I, I missed last week's podcast. Was getting a little worked at work and needed to take a little step back. And you know, to everyone out there listening, I encourage you to do the same thing with your hobbies and um, different things in life. You know, you got to take care of the important things and your priorities. And sometimes, if you got to take a step back from golfing or podcasting or whatever it is, hey. Go ahead and do that because I did it and I feel same as Max. Very rejuvenated, very excited to talk fantasy football. Max is active and back on the sleeper app. The trades Ooh. are starting to happen again in our league. It's a it's a good time to be alive in the dynasty fantasy football space. My mom was talking about Max in our fantasy football league, believe it or not. And you know what she called him? She said, Max is the straw that stirs the drink. Oh, the it's straw. True. The fantasy FF godfather. Mm -hmm. Just over all the trades, he's back. The league is back in peak form. I, I went on after, it was about like a three, three and a half week hiatus I took. And no trades were made. Um, there was a text in there that said, someone asked where I was, like where are all the trades? So it, it feels feels good to be uh, sending out trades. I don't want to annoy people too much about it, but it's good to see active, active rosters, fluent players. And I think that by this time next week, a lot's going to change in the NFL, and a lot should hopefully change on your fantasy teams. Super producer, how's it hanging? Low and a little to the left, honestly. Like, but I'm happy, <laughs> dude. Happy to be back um, another week, and you know, I'm really excited for this one because we get to talk some uh, some rookie prospects here. Yeah, that's to be honest. Listening to fantasy football advice throughout the year during the season, you know, it's a little bit. Here or there, but this is really the time, especially for dynasty listeners, where everything is changing. And there is so much change, you got to stay ahead of the curve. So we're happy you're at least spending a little part of your week with us here. All right, before we get into the episode, wanted to give a quick icebreaker here. For episode number 80, who and or what is your favorite number 80 of all time? Max, let's start with you, since you're so eager and happy to get off trades this offseason. Let's hear your answer first. Yeah, there's a lot of good number 80s. I'm excited to see what everyone says. I'm going to go with Victor Cruz. 
he was really my first love on the Giants. Um, the salsa dance, electrifying. He was just something else. He was special. He's from New Jersey, Peter. I wrote a oh yeah autobiography, a biography, one of the two, whatever it is. Autobiography means he wrote it himself. Little he did. I pro read tip it. for you. He read. He wrote his. I read it. Victor Cruz is my answer. Victor Cruz, Jace. What about you? My favorite eighty is uh, has to do with the movie Eighty for Brady. I, uh, <laughs> I, have, I have not seen that movie yet, but I went to the movies last night and uh, saw the poster there for it. And uh, I'm looking forward to that movie. Looks looks like a good one. I uh, I don't feel a strong pull towards any kind of athlete. That's number 80. I looked at the baseball results. There's like five dudes that have ever had that number. And I know it was none of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I Jace, you could have been the one you could have been the one to revolutionize that in the MLB. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, man. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. 80 for Brady all the way. Super producer. Favorite number 80. Mine's uh, not like 80 is kind of a weird one for me because I was looking through some of the players, but I would say Jarvis Landry on the Browns. Go Jarvis. He, he was fan favorite. He's culture changer. Culture shift. 100%. For me personally, uh, before we get into mine, I, I did want to do one completely uh, notable leave out. Jerry Rice, all-time greatest receiver ever. I don't think there's even a discussion. The numbers that he put up back in the 80s and 90s, just special. I think that's the perfect answer. It's just he was absolutely one of kind. But for me personally, I think my favorite 80 is an 80 on an exam, passing grade. Just a pass. That is nice. That is well, my you, favorite number 80. You, you can pass see that with on my a, exam. What, can you pass with a 71? Is that a thing? Or is it I have to be like 73 or 74 with all the weights or whatever? But my thing, my thing with it is like a 79 and an 80, very different. 79, you're like, oh, no. Yeah, I really got to step it up. You hit that 80, you're like, oh, I'm that not doing true. too bad. That is true. It's just I'm the definition of, of good. It's just good at 511 so, versus six foot yeah hey, man. yeah one speaking inch, of coulda woulda coulda a lot yeah coulda woulda shoulda uh that kind of thing is the 79 to an 80 man that that does feel different like uh really especially does. with a guy like me ocd we like those round numbers that's uh you bring you're making me think about that man ocd ocd are you guys even number volume people on the tv uh more often than not yes I know there's some people like that. I don't care. I'll put it on, you know, 57. doesn't matter the, to me. The thing that the disturbs right me the most is when it's not numbers, it's just the bars at the bottom. I want to get that thing like halfway, like <laughs> it's sitting somewhere like a sixth of the way. That, that irks me. You know, right, what always irks me is like car volume. You know, when you're listening to the radio, I try to go in increments of five. So if I'm just kind of trying to mm. vibe, maybe like a 10, mm. but... You're like blaring some music, like a 20. I don't know, depending on your speakers. <laughs> Max, I'd love to know what your playlist is in the car, your guilty pleasure playlist. Maybe we'll reveal that on next episode. There we go. But for all those country fans out there, Morgan Wallen's new album is pretty fire. Pretty fire. 35 songs, all of them good. 36. And a lot what? of them. What? Yeah, bro. He's got Even a song number. about uh, 36 songs. And JB, you'd like. It's got a song about the 98 Braves. 
1998 Braves, and it's that's a good team. Baseball song, and it's a fire song. Damn, 36 songs. Yeah. Holy crap. All right, before we get into the free agency madness that reports from around the realm has to offer, I wanted to give the floor up to Max. It would appear as if he's offering some fealty to me. He wants to trade with me after we already had a trade this week. It's true, but there's no such thing as too many trades. I just wanted to gauge your interest, Peter. I'm, uh, I, I think you're going to decline it, which is still going to be crazy to me. But I'm willing to offer your 25 second for your kicker. No chance. Ooh. Who's your kicker? Carlson? Justin Tucker. Oh. Listen, you're cracked, Max. Look, a lot of leagues out there, they don't play. You're with still kickers, going for it, man. It's a it's a piece. I, I would Listen, turn it down too. Sounds wild, I don't but I would care. probably turn it down too. I don't care. Kickers, kickers are people too. I want to start that that movement. Tucker's been a consistent top five kicker. They score fantasy points sometimes just as much as your quarterback does in a week. So I'll kickers give are you, people too. I'll give you two seconds for your kicker. I can't do it, Max. I would sell. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. This is a kicker. I'll throw in my yeah. kick as well. Okay, you want to talk about something, positional scarcity around the kicker position. How many of them are fantasy relevant? Probably 10. There's yeah. any any of them on any given week. You just it's find the right matchups. You can stream you can even in a deep league. You can. You could run matchups, but I, I do don't that feel for like two second round picks. It's a plug and forget for me. For for to have Justin Tucker, guy's gonna finish top three every single year, no matter what. I don't even have to think. It doesn't matter the matchup that he's facing, whether he's indoors or outdoors. He's going to provide me a great floor, and I love you, that. You could take the two second-round picks, trade Justin Tucker, then take one of those second-round picks, go get a Tyler Bass or a decent one, and then you just got a free second-round pick, man. Can't do it. I love Tucker too much. That's the crazy. opera singer. This is, this is your 25-second when the year you're supposed to be on the rebuild which should be an early 25 second and another second and shit. I'll even add another third. I'll add two seconds and a third for a kicker. Uh, right now. The third round really moves the needle. What, what see, like what people out there need to understand what, what people need to understand out there is Max has a diabolical plan that he is going to trade Justin Tucker for a first round pick. Like, I just know who you are. That'll be the and day. Why? Tell me why. Why do you want Justin Tucker that bad? Because I see a, a, my roster and I just, I don't, I don't like my kicker, so why? So why would you offer me more for Justin Tucker? You could go out and get Tyler Bass for half the price. He did. He got him for free, basically. I just threw him in a deal. He did, yeah. I don't even know who I sent him to, bro. My brother. Exactly. So no point for anybody out there that's listening right now. Kickers are very – I won't say very. Kickers are important for the structure of your team. And to know that I have, you know – in the next five or six years just slotted in with kicker and to never have to worry. And I've had the guy for three years. That's nine years worth of a starting role just locked in forever. So that's true. And if you want two seconds, you can sell Devonta or Devonte if you want to, you know. Exactly. <laughs> that was you're crazy. <laughs> Before we get into the episode. Just wanted to say a huge thank you to our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is back again for another year, another best ball tournament. They run them all year round. My favorite part about playing on Underdog is the stress-free fantasy aspect. Draft your team. There are zero roster manipulations, no trades, no cuts. 
no start sit decisions. Your best team is automatically placed in. Underdog does such a great job with their early tournaments. And to be honest, at this point in the season or and or the offseason, it's your best possible time to get value on certain players. Super producer, give me something about underdog. Yeah, man, I think um, you're talking about those early tournaments, one that I got in a little bit last year. I didn't go super heavy into it, but they have a rookies and sophomores uh, fantasy, like season long fantasy. So it's just going to be obviously the rookies from this year. I think it either it's either open now or maybe opens after the NFL draft, but just the rookies from this year and then the rookies from this past year, which is a pretty fun concept just for a season long league. Yeah, best ball and underdog match made in heaven. They also have pickums and over under games depending on your state. So check out Underdog Fantasy. Use our code Monarchy M O N A R C H Y again M O N A R C H Y for a free one hundred dollar deposit match in bonus cash. Monarchy M O N A R C H Y helps kick back part of their revenue to us. So if you want to support the podcast, go over there and. Draft a league again, Monarchy, M O N A R C H Y. Let's get into the episode. Lamar Jackson signs a non exclusive franchise tag. Obviously, seems like there's some colluding with the owners by not giving him a fully guaranteed deal, just like Deshaun got, unless the Brownies really did do their due diligence and nobody else is for some reason. Uh, what do you guys think about Lamar's possible landing spot? I think he lands back in Baltimore. I think they figure out a deal or he's going to hold out one of the two. If you're a Lamar owner today, what is your course of action at Superflex? If I'm a Lamar owner today, I'm fine. Wherever, wherever he goes, I feel like it's just as good as Baltimore. It's not like they have like world beater options in Baltimore. Um, I'm most excited about buying like those players that he could go to. Like, honestly, Devontae Adams. I think the Raiders are the odds on favor right now. Uh, they're first, and then the Panthers are second. So, if he could go somewhere and really elevate those weapons, that's what I would be most excited about. Because honestly, Baltimore doesn't have that great of options. Let me tell you something about the AFC West Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, JB. That'd be pretty nasty. I really do feel like he stays in Baltimore. Um, I, I think it would be interesting to see what kind of system he would land in because Baltimore has been so run heavy. They've been a top five rushing offense ever since Lamar's been there, essentially Harbaugh's entire time there. And be kind of fun to see him in a pass first offense somewhere else using his legs, you know, scout scrambling around the pocket, um, you know, um, from taking snaps out of the shotgun and just pass first offense. So I, I think it'd be fun to see, but I do think he ends up in Baltimore. This feels like one of those build up to like super anticlimactic finish just because of financials and people being smart. Um, but it'd be exciting. I'm I'm all for it. I just paid 105 for Mark Andrews and our Mike uh, Mike Vrabel dynasty league and pretty hefty price to pay for a guy that could lose his quarterback. So I, I think that's that relationship right there. I, I think that one is going to be the most interesting one to follow all off season. Yeah, at this point, a lot of our conversations are purely speculation, given that free agency won't even start for a week from now at this point. So. I think there's three options for Lamar owners, right? It's going to be one of these three roads. He either leaves the Ravens, 
he holds out or he re-signs with the Ravens, which one are you the most scared of? I mean, the easy answer is holding out, I think. If he I don't even out. know. No Because if he holds out, if he holds out and goes to a place that he wants to go and gets paid, yes, it's one year that you're losing of Lamar, but how many more good years of him actually having weapons that we have never seen in Baltimore? I agree, but here's the thing I will say about Lamar, and I think this is why teams are hesitant and a lot of teams are now, quote-unquote, out on Lamar, which doesn't make sense, I guess. But he's just – he can never play a full season, I feel like. And I also think that he's one RG3 injury away from just never being the same player. And that would scare me as a general manager wanting, there's no reason that Lamar shouldn't get paid that much money. But the thing is he wants it all guaranteed. Like he wants $200 million guaranteed. Cause he knows. Cause he knows one injury he's cooked. I really do believe that. Yeah. I don't have much more to add to that. I think you summed it up pretty good, man. I, I think it's, um, It's just going to be really interesting. What's the most scary of the three options? I I think, I don't know, man. I I don't know. I'm really not concerned at all, honestly. Like, it's it's Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to be lethal no matter what happens. And, you know, a holdout, of course, is just kind of worst case scenario for fantasy for those that invested in him because you're going to miss out on that piece for a while. But I think uh, I don't really, to me, it doesn't matter where he goes. I mean, Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, pretty solid. But like, like I said, pass first offense somewhere else with different pieces. uh, That's super exciting. If he stays in Baltimore, we've already seen him dominate. So I think holding out is just the worst case scenario, just because you lose him for a little bit. Last talking point on Lamar. Let's say you're a long-term rebuilder in Superflex and a competitor, and I know this is a very niche niche situation, but let's say a competitor has Lamar. What are you willing to offer up if you know that the person that has Lamar Jackson is trying to hedge right now, if you're a long-term rebuilder? So we can do draft pick value, whether or not there's players involved, but what's the, the value? I think that you could honestly get a trade to go through, depending on the owner, with like a Derek Carr, a first and a second. I okay. I don't think that's that far off. I know Nick C wouldn't accept that. He has Lamar, but I think that Derek Carr in New Orleans will be an upgrade. A mid first and either year and a second. I could definitely see that. Is this, we're talking super flex here? Of course. Yeah. Super okay. Flex. Okay. I was making sure. I think that's pretty. Yeah. I do. I mean, you get a serviceable quarterback like Max said and a first round draft pick. And if it's me on the other side and it's a 2024 first round pick, I mean, depending on how your team's built and, you know, I, that's something I would consider. I think, I mean, yeah, I I think that's a good price, Max. I think you could get that to go through from people that have had Lamar over the last two seasons, especially, and have dealt with him missing time. All right. Segmenting off that based on Max's trade offer, let's talk about Derek Carr just for a few minutes. Superflex, Blah, blah, blah. We get it. He's going to be a baseline quarterback, you know, anywhere between 16 and probably 10 on the season. We understand where his value is in Superflex, even in New Orleans. Let's talk about the auxiliary pieces more. And more importantly, Chris Olave. Obviously, he finished as a top, you know, three receiver in a class. Some would even say the best receiver in the class. In the future, if... The next talking points could be Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers does not go to the Jets, 
are you valuing Olave higher than Garrett Wilson and anybody else in this pass receiving class, given that he's going to have a stable quarterback? Yeah, I really think I am. I've been on the train that the NFC West is the shootout division. I've said it on this episode, this podcast so many times. You mean NFC South? That's the division that they're in. Yeah, the NFC South. Thank you, Peter. The NFC South, man, those games are always just high-scoring shootouts. And with the state of that division right now, I mean, there's just a bunch of dog teams, and they're just going to be slinging the rock. And I think Olave is a great route runner. He showed it this year with, man, Andy Dalton. He put up those numbers. So he gets a guy like Derek Carr who just put a top-five season for Devontae Adams. I get their different players. But, yeah, I'd say Olave's top – I'd put him at top seven receiver. Top seven dynasty, period. Best receiver from the past class if this happens. And Rodgers doesn't go to the Jets. Yeah, I mean, if the Jets go get Jimmy G or if they go get a decent quarterback that can service Garrett Wilson, then they're probably close to me. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jace. I think Chris Olave, definitely like a top 12 dynasty option for me right now. Easy, just super safe. Did a lot of crazy things, especially with how far he was being targeted down the field and the the rate he was drawing targets. I I would I'm very much on the you know Tokyo Drift you know uh, Garrett Wilson side of things. Um, I just think he's lethal. The fact that he was putting up top seven wide receiver numbers as a rookie with anyone not named Zach Wilson just that speaks volumes to me. And I think Derek Carr is good and I think it's going to be a lot better for Olave and I I think Olave can really grow but I just think Garrett Wilson is built different as an athlete I I think I can I just he seems like he's he's built for more touchdowns Olave just like a pure reception kind of guy moving the chains consistently but he's not a huge dude and Garrett Wilson isn't either but he's just built different athletically he is just such a freak and um, if it's Aaron Rodgers uh, it's, it's GG's. I mean, it's Garrett Wilson skyrocketing over. I mean, I think he could instantly become like his next Devonte Adams and he has the abilities to put up those kinds of numbers. I'm going to abstain from the Garrett Wilson talk here, uh, as it pertains to the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I have literally been on the edge of my seat, refreshing Twitter, probably once every five minutes at this point. So that's all I'm going to say about Aaron Rodgers until it comes true. Um, but I will say this about Olave. I did like his tape out of Ohio State. He had a very good year given below average quarterback play. I think this upcoming season, sophomore year, smaller build. He does have a good year. I don't think he's going to hit that ceiling that everybody thinks with Derek Carr. You give me a top five elite quarterback, that's a completely different story, obviously. Like if you put him in the Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, you put him with Mahomes, any of these like huge, huge, huge name guys, he instantly becomes a top four receiver to me. I think right now he's more towards that eight, nine. In Dynasty, I tend to value the older guys a little bit more than some people, but I do still think that he has a great future coming up. I got a, I got a question. Keep trade cut. Olave, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra, St. Brown. Cut Amon Ra. Keep Garrett Wilson, trade Olave. Yes. No. In that yes. order. Yes. In that order. Lockstep with Peter. Like Max is just Max is gonna be like, oh, uh, keep on on raw, cut Garrett Wilson. No. Uh, trade a it. No, I'd probably keep on raw. I'd probably. That's that's berserk. He's not even gonna be the number one in this offense next year. 
Oh my gosh. Amon Ra, I've seen him do it two seasons in a row. These guys, Olave finishes wide receiver 19, I believe it was. Garrett Wilson finishes wide receiver 21. But what I'm like, Amon Ra's done it, man. I, I wouldn't, I'd keep Amon Ra. I'm cutting Garrett Wilson. I'm keeping Olave. Okay. Let's keep moving forward. All right. So now it's time. Let's talk about two quarterback signings and then two running back tags really quick. Not too long on these. Daniel Jones, four years, 160 million. Geno Smith, three years, 75 million. Saquon gets the tag. Tony Pollard gets the tag. Which of these four signings is the most consequential for fantasy football? You tell me. For me, it's got to be Daniel Jones. I, I think that them stepping up to the plate and paying him the bag means that they're going to continue to build around him and they think they can win with him. And with a guy that has stupid rushing upside, I mean, I, I think he's someone I'm looking to invest in because I I think people are going to be looking to sell. I don't think people necessarily believed in this past year, but I think he can still grow. I mean, the wide receiver group he was thrown to last year, it was pitiful. You get some real weapons in there. You know, Saquon can catch the, you know, catch the ball of the backfield. Dable, you know, his teams can put up points. I think, um, I think Daniel Jones is someone I'm feeling good about investing in. I think you can get him for very Derek Carr-esque price tag. And that's, no one in that range has the kind of upside Daniel Jones has week to week. Max. I'm going to go with the running back here. I'm going to go with Tony Pollard. I think that them franchise tagging him, they obviously want to make him the feature back here. Zeke, we've talked about pay cut. I saw rumors say that they might just cut him. Um, if Zeke does get cut and Pollard is the guy in Dallas, I mean, he finishes number eight this year. I think he could finish as a top five running back. I really do. So I'd probably go with Tony Pollard just for the possibility. Um, the one that just doesn't really have much of an effect to me is Geno Smith. Yeah, I think he had a great year, but I don't think he replicates that, to be honest with you. You don't think there's any implication for DK? There's no, I mean, I think if anything, DK, I mean, it's the same quarterback that he had last year, but I don't see Geno Smith putting that his numbers up again. I really don't. I think $105 million or whatever he got is too much, and I think that they could have gotten a quarterback in the draft and saved that $105 million. I got a question about Pollard because – I love Tony Pollard. I've always been a big Tony Pollard guy, but I mean, his ankle, didn't he destroy that thing? Like he's going to be out for a long time. And I feel like we're very hesitant on guys with like, you know, pretty big time injuries, missing significant time, you know, like with the ACLs that usually it's been taking dudes like a year to get back into form. And I feel like Pollard's been talked about all off season. Like he didn't have that major injury and, you know, it was, we were on here like lamenting for him because, you know, it was contract year, had such a great year. And then that injury happened. I, I can't, I mean, are you guys concerned about that at all? Cause he's already pretty old. And like, I mean, I love Tony Pollard. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. He's getting up there. I think he's what going to be 26 this season. I mean, has a slow start and then he's 27 when we're waiting for him to produce again. Like I feel like there's a good sell high window here right now. You know, that's actually a really good point, Jace, about the injury that I forgot about. And also his age. I was looking at the other day because I was looking at Khalil Herbert's age. He's turning like 25 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it said like people also search for Tony Pollard age. He turns 26 next April. So in 30 days from now. And mm -hmm. yes, 25, 26, you're still a you know, decent age for running back. When you get up to 27, 28, it's like, okay, he's a little older. Um, 
But especially with that ankle injury, that's a really good point. I feel like right now, like when they, I wouldn't sell them right now. I'd sell them when they cut Zeke if they do that. Because mm-hmm. then people like myself who, honestly, I forgot about that ankle injury. Dude, they'll be like, oh, man. Like, in my mind, Tony Pollard's still young. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But you sell him, you could get a first and a half. Yeah. Nick, I mean, Nixie put in the chat that he fractured his fibula and he's having surgery to repair ligaments for high ankle sprain. I mean, this dude, he got it bad, man. And I think, uh, you know, while he hasn't had a big workload, part of that is he hasn't proven he can handle a big workload either. You know, like the Zeke situation is so weird because it's a money thing. You know, everyone knows Zeke sucks. He's in there to pass block and he's slow, but he's in there to be Dak's best friend. Yeah. I mean that, and just, you know, eat up the Cowboys money that he got paid stupid money. And I don't know. It's so interesting because we haven't seen Pollard take on a big workload and he's going to be so much older and he's coming off this major injury. Like there, I can see a lot of downside for him ending up just being like this boom bust, you know, running back to rather than kind of like this RB one that I feel like he's going for right now. Like if this is someone I can acquire 24 first for uh, that is, I'm all about that trade right now. It's so much safer in my mind to move back a class and start gathering some first rounders to, depending. I mean, pretty much in all facets, even if I'm going for it. Jace. Now here's, here's the legitimate question. I think. You have Tony Pollard. Let's say you're not going for it this year. You want to just you know get whatever you can for him. Let's say there's a guy, and you did an early draft. Early draft, all the rookies are already picked. The 2026 picks are out there. Would you do Pollard for 2026 first? I think you have to slam accept that. I wouldn't do 2026. I think you could get a 25 first for Pollard. And even then, I, I feel like, I mean – you find the right team that's like really, really going for it. And if, especially if Zeke gets cut, like Max is saying, and you know, they don't really draft anyone of note and it's looking like, Hey, it's going to be his backfield, you know, or, you know, when he can take it back from recovering from the injury, I think you could probably get a lottery shot, you know, uh, you know, a 24 first that looks like it's going to be towards the back, you know, middle part to the back. And I will do that. I would do that. That's the thing, though, that you bring up, JB, that just last year at this time, I was scared to death over. And honestly, thinking about it now, it's like there's these guys where, yeah, you could trade for a David Montgomery and let's say he stays, right? They don't trade him. They, but then they draft somebody. It's like Antonio Gibson. I was scared to death that they were going to draft someone last year. They drafted Brian Robinson. Mm-hmm. But who knows, man? I mean, you could trade for a Kenneth Gainwell after Miles Sanders leaves, and then they could draft B. John Robinson. So – Trading for those running backs, it's it's a scary game. Whereas wide receivers, they have the years, they have they you could run more than one wide receiver, right? Running yeah. backs, one guy. I I think it's the draft class this year is loaded up with running backs, and then the free agency for running backs is the most notable thing of the off season uh, as it goes for free agents for fantasy football. It's going to be like, I feel like this is a really good time to get out from under some running backs and just wait until, you know, the dust settles and um, you know, get your bags where you can and then go pay up afterwards because I can see a lot of guys losing value quick with some of the, the talent that's floating around and available. I think personally going back to the original question we were asking, which of these is the most impactful signing? I think it's Saquon. I, I really do. When you look at 
his age, number one, his years of production that he's had, his injury history, to not get a long-term contract from a team. This year, he has to put it up again. He has to put up a monster year again if he wants to get money. He wants to get that generational wealth money. It's this year or nothing. If I'm investing in any running back that isn't going to be a premium price, I feel like there are certain guys that are premium pricing right now. Saquon is going to be one of them. I will pay, I will gladly pay a mid first round pick and a couple seconds for Saquon. I feel like he shouldn't be going for more than that right now. Um, but you can get elite top six upside from him for, I wouldn't say a fraction of the price. I would say, well, technically a fraction is anything below one, but I would say like you could get a for him for like 80% of what a true workhorse running back should go for. And he's also right at the cliff. He's 26 years old. That's prime year contract year. It's Saquon RB1 in redraft next season if i have the 101 i'm really feeling like i gotta lock him down and get him they're gonna they're gonna improve the offensive line they're gonna add a wide receiver somehow like i think that they will end up trading for a wide receiver the giants because lord knows they cannot go out and free agency and get one when juju smith schuster is on the uh the call sheet as the wide receiver one in the class (laughs) so i I think that offense gets better i I don't think i don't think i'm gonna Stick my line in the stand in the sand. They will get better next year. Saquon, while maybe receiving a little bit less of the touches, is going to be more integrated in the passing game and going to be able to take more chunk plays because he's not going to be the sole offensive superstar. Quick question before we move on to uh, some rookie talk: Saquon or Josh Jacobs? For how long? Saquon, one to two years. Josh Jacobs is 25. He's probably turning 26 soon. I'd probably rather have Saquon. Saquon. So how much on top of my Josh Jacobs would I have to pay to get Saquon? I think they're early second. I think it's uh I think the price is pretty similar. I think it's depending on which one you like more. I think they're pretty evenly priced. 204, 201 to 204 in this draft or Two future seconds, whether it's 24, 25. Both have crazy upside. Crazy. Both have crazy upside. But I feel like it doesn't matter. Some owners probably value Jacobs more than Saquon. You could make that switch easily and get some more back. So take with that what you will. Uh, Let's move into our combine reactions. All right, everyone. We're going to be doing some combine reactions. We're going to do for the first five to 10 minutes. We're just going to go over some general thoughts. And then all of us will be giving one, one singular prospect that we saw at the combine, whether they are completely famous, whether they are studs, whether they are you know, sleepers, who you believe in to be an impact player in the NFL in some time in the future. Let's say the next two years, whether it's his rookie season or his sophomore season. So, Normal discussion. I think some something we want to talk about. While we are a dynasty podcast, we tend to talk about quarterbacks a little bit too much. I know not everybody plays in Superflex. I want to talk about Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. Max, I know you were a little bit excited about Richardson. Give me a little breakdown with what he was able to do. What he was able to do is put up one of the best combine scores i feel like as a 
quarterback in recent history, honestly. I saw a thing. I actually I sent it in chat. I'll read it off right now. And it's just his numbers and in comparison to different people. So it's like he's six foot four and a fourth. That's taller than Miles Garrett. He's 244 pounds, heavier than Micah Parsons, 10 and a half inch hands, bigger than Hopkins. And Hop has some big hands. Uh, 40.5 vertical, higher than DK Metcalf. Um, 10.9 broad jump, longer than Justin Jefferson, and a 44340. It's faster than Christian McCaffrey. Um, when you really put those numbers in comparison, I don't care if you can throw the football. I don't. I think if you go to the right system and they build the offense around you like Lamar, I think this guy could be one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. But if they don't and he just goes to a system, they're like, oh, you're going to throw the ball, you're going to do this. Well, then he could be like Jamarcus Russell or someone like that. So it depends where he goes for me. But I really – his combine, like, was eye-popping. And I told the boys in chat, like, I'd take him at 102 in Superflex. I really think I would. Really? I Those numbers are crazy to me, bro. Like, when you actually break it down by player by player and who he's faster than and – I was – I was listening to the fantasy footballers the other day, so I want to give full credit to them. And they did an episode where it's things that you should not forget. And they said quarterbacks that are running will be fantasy relevant. No matter what, yep. they could be the worst possible. Like look at Justin Fields this year. He couldn't throw the ball. He was still a top, you know, six quarterback, right? Yep. If you're able to run like the wind and put that into your game, you will probably finish as a top 12 quarterback. I don't know if Anthony Richardson's going to get the chance to start this year. It all depends on his landing spot and his location, whether they want to develop him or just throw him into the fire like they did with Zach Wilson, which I don't think is a good idea. But if he is a starter this upcoming season, look out. Yeah, I mean, uh, Max, I'm right there with you, man. Like Stroud and Young could both be safer, but that rushing upside, that freak athlete in him – you don't care if he's a, you know, franchise quarterback or not. I mean, three years of this guy being a starter and running around, I mean, could just be a cheat code in fantasy. I mean, the real life stuff doesn't matter at all. This is a fantasy. I mean, this could be a potential fantasy god here for a while if he hits. So all in 102, I'm all about it. Um, 21 years old, so young too, like just lot to like here for fantasy. So um, my question is Anthony Richardson or Trey Lance? It's tough without landing spot, but I, I really am going to go Anthony Richardson. I know it's crazy. I know they traded three first to get Trey Lance, but give me Richardson. I did not like the way that John Lynch was talking about Trey Lance at the combine. Really made me sick to my stomach, not going to lie. I'm a big Trey Lance believer. I think he's young, he's, he's strong, and he really hasn't, he hasn't even had a chance to prove himself. Hardly right. at all, dude. He's literally barely played. It's I, I think I think they just gotta let the man play. And yeah. I'd probably take Lance because I know I, I've watched Lance play limitedly, but I've watched Anthony Richardson play in the SEC and it was ugly. He could not throw the ball. He he's the perfect prospect where if you completely threw out his game film and you just showed me his like quote unquote athletic score, like his Raz and stuff like that. He's the greatest prospect ever, but I, I've been burdened with watching him play at, at Florida and he was not good there. So I, I think it's very rare that a player is not good in college and then is able to be good in the NFL, you know, barring Tom Brady. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, Tom was a freak in college too, but uh, Richardson, I mean, I get what you're saying for sure. That's why I think the safer options are definitely Young and Stroud, but like, I mean, this dude, I mean, RG3 was no prolific quarterback by any means, you know, like it sad the way he went out, but I don't think he was on the path to be a hall of fame or anything like that. And I think if he goes down the RG three path, um, you know, as kind of like a middle tier, instead of these super extremes, like that is, that is a, an advantage. I mean, that's, you know, Lamar Jackson esque, uh, you know, cheat code. So, but I think it's interesting with Lance Lance's couldn't be in a better situation and have better weapons. So it's, it's interesting because Richardson, you know, I, I don't know. There's some spots he could land and it would be tough. It would be tough to see the path for him. Um, I will say I was watching some of them just like throw the football. And I know like the Jets GM fell victim to Zach Wilson throwing that football at BYU Pro Day. I'm not going to lie. Did. He, he did. did. Joe Douglas was salivating. He did, but he I said he had his Mahomes killer. The, those quarterbacks, I always was like, oh, Stroud's like eh, court throwing love. Like I get they weren't throwing in front of a line or anything like that. But bro, they were kind of dropping some dimes. So it uh, it was good to see. <laughs> I get that's their job that they're quarterbacks and maybe it's just because there's no one in front of them and there's no pressure or whatever. And but they, they look good all, in shorts and they throw they all all balance throw and it just completely derails your franchise for, you know, five years. You know, it's just, just hurts. I'm just, just saying, hurts. They were looking good throwing the ball, but we can, JB can kick us off on the running back trade. Honestly, I want Nick C to talk about Bijan. That's really all like I came for tonight. <laughs> Nick C, look, we know about Bijan. We know about Gibbs. There are some other players, Charbonnet. I know there's this guy from Texas A&M we've been keeping a close eye on. I believe he pronounced his name A-Chain. He ran the fastest 40-yard time at the at the combine for running backs, 4-3-2. That is just so explosive. Give me a little bit of insight on this guy, Nixie. This guy is interesting just because he's so small. I mean, he's five foot eight and a half i guess you got to give him that half inch and one probably five eight and a half the half inch matters (laughs) yeah it's tough i mean the the dude's electric on tape but and obviously he showed it in his testing 4.32 i would i have to look more into it honestly but i know that he's popped off when i've seen him uh in a few videos but i think like i i did just have one thing that's more kind of an overarching thing it might be an overreaction but I was texting Max about it earlier in the day which is it's kind of with the second tier of running backs and I don't know to me it's kind of concerning like if you're looking at these guys as fantasy assets which who knows if you're not not testing at the combine might not be that good of a correlation to NFL success at the next level but there's some of these guys that we've been talking about like Kendra Miller he didn't test at the combine. Sean Tucker came in smaller than people thought, and he didn't test as well. Zach Evans did not test as well and weighed in at 202 when people thought he was going to be at like 215. For these guys, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns with that kind of second tier. So it'll be interesting to see if they test at the pro day. But at the same time, like, do you weigh pro day numbers different than combine? And how do you guys think that? that kind of shakes out uh, in the long term. I, I think pro day numbers are just as good. You just got to think like the NFL combine is a show. 
And it's a place that all these GMs can go and eat their expensive steak dinners and talk trade and hang out with each other. The pro days are regulated. I know the NFL uh, scouts are there, so I'm sure they are running official numbers and, and doing the same due diligence and, and making sure the integrity of the numbers are correct at the pro days as well. For running backs, I would say it's more important that the pro days are are done. I think for the quarterbacks, we already know. It, with the game tape says everything. With the running backs, the measurables do matter a little bit more, uh, in my opinion. Before you chime in, JB, I think it's like sure these numbers they mean they mean something obviously, and like they don't just go out there just to like diddle themselves and just have fun. Like these numbers obviously mean something, but at the end of the day, landing spot means the most. I mean, if you take for running back in particular, yeah, running back, you take Miller, you take a chain, which could make for a sick dynasty like name under there on Sleeper Man. You can make a sick nickname. Um, I get off topic, but you take any of these guys and you put them in. Some of these big systems, Derrick Henry gets traded and Charbonnet goes to Tennessee. Boom, he shoots up the draft board. Or Sean Tucker goes to the Chargers and he's Austin Eckler's backup. We know Austin Eckler's age, stuff like that. Like it just really matters on the landing spot, I think. Or um, Bijan. Bijan goes to the Chargers and sits behind Eckler and they use him in a 60 40 split. Like, what are you going to do then? Obviously, like teams probably won't do that. But does Bijan still go number one? Like it's the it's the age old question. Like, what if Gibbs goes to the Eagles and they're going to use him in a, like a true workhorse role, and Bijan has to split? Like, what's what kind of future are we seeing? It's all about landing spots with these running backs. Like back to the combine pro day stuff. I personally don't watch it. Hardly read up on it. Like upfront and honest, like dudes are freak athletes. And I, I, that excites me for certain guys because it means upside. That's why we like Christian Watson a lot. Cause he's six, four moves. Like no one that shy he moves like a gazelle. So, I mean, it matters a little bit. Cause I think it kind of, you know, kind of confirms dudes athleticism and the way you think about players. But I think production profile coming out of college means a lot especially when you play in good conferences I mean I think that means a lot if you can put up destructive numbers in college and you're the best one of the better players in college and a good in one of the better conferences I think that speaks the most so I think that's why love juniors we love early declares that means you know they mowed through college and they're already ready for the NFL at a super young age those are freak athletes and landing spot is definitely a part of it for running backs especially because you know our windows for them are much shorter so we would like to you know get production out of them right away but I think in this year's class with this free agent market with running backs too I think you're going to get a lot of value and I think some dudes could look you know land like a Jameer Gibbs lands with the Eagles but Sanders doesn't come back but you know they draft someone else and it looks like it's going to be a committee I mean, in those situations where we got some unknowns, I, I think we're going to get some extreme values, and I think we're going to have some dudes break out in, on teams that we really weren't expecting it. So just be wary of the helmet scouting in, you know, not only in college, but in the NFL too. You know, don't think because teams have run a committee, you know, for a pe- the past couple of years that they're going to do that forever. Teams evolve. There's been some head coaching, you know, changes I think there's going to be some value. I'm loving the back end of the first in this year's draft uh, for rookies. All right, let's do a peruse over the wide receivers. We all know the big names. Jordan Addison, the biggest loser. I believe Nixie was tweeting about that earlier today. Give me your biggest winner for the combine 
and or pro day, et cetera, who you expect to be the biggest winner and who was and or will be the biggest loser. Nick C, I want you to start because I know you're really tuned in on the wide receiver class. For me, yeah, like I, I tweeted earlier just to see what people were, were thinking, but the biggest loser has to be Kayshawn Boutte. I thought he was going to test way better than he did, and he tested pretty poorly. Um, four, five, 40, and had a 29-inch vertical. Be a concern for Booty. You tell me Butte was was Booty? He was Booty. Butte was Butte. Who do you think can be the biggest winner? So, like, let's say you're you're drafting rookies early. You're early second round right now. We all know who I'm going to say. But I want who you're going to say is the biggest potential to – has the biggest potential to to rise up draft boards come, you know, a couple months from now. Uh, probably Zay Flowers, I guess. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, he's a small guy. It seems like he's already been rising for from what I've seen from a lot of people on Twitter. But, I mean, 4-4-2, 40-yard dash, 35-and-a-half-inch vert. But the big thing is with a lot of these wide receivers, other than Quentin Johnston and maybe like Cedric Tillman, they're, they're all very small guys. So it's pretty tough to project them to to go crazy at the next level, I guess. But people are going to fall in love with rookies regardless. But I, I feel like Flowers is going to be the biggest riser. Yeah, the it, the wave has already happened. People are way too bought in on Zay Flowers. I see a lot of people want him over Marquise Brown. And Max, I feel like you're not even a Hollywood guy, but I think you would. I mean, this dude's 5'9", is a senior coming out of college. Like, unless it's full PPR, I don't see very much appeal with this dude at all. There's a, you know, I mean, there's a reason he went to school where he went, and there's a reason he was there for that long. So, dude, don't knock the Jesuit institution. No, Max I went to a Jesuit. To after you. I went to a Jesuit high school, but I mean, it's you know, it's a, uh, it's no LSU or anything like that. So I think he's going to fly up the boards, and I think he's going to get to a price where I'm just not interested at, at all. The hype's already started. If he lands somewhere decent, I think it's going to go crazy. Max, I think, I think. Well, mine. I was going to say Jalen Hyatt. I just think he ran like a super fast forty, if I'm not mistaken. I think he tested like pretty solid. Four four forty. Four four. I mean, it's okay, I guess, right? Okay. I don't know. The guys that's, the guys that's speed. great. That's you know, like top, you know, six in your class. He's like a speedster though, and he's six foot there. So that's solid. And I just think any of these guys, you take Zay Flowers, you take Josh Downs, you take Jalen Hyatt, um, Ute, AT Perry, whoever it is, bro when these guys get picked in the back of the first round to the chargers, to the bills, to the chiefs, they are going to skyrocket up draft boards. It's going to be crazy. And I know I said it about running backs, but landing spot, landing spot, landing spot. So it's like, obviously you don't know what these guys are going to do, but that's why it's almost like fun to draft before the NFL draft, you know, like I, I I love the idea of that, but I will say wide receivers. I, I am much more in the camp of talent over situation for wide receivers because they're, they get drafted there. And more often than not, they're planted there for a long time. Like Tyler Boyd is no superstar wide receiver, but he's been in Cincinnati his whole career, you know, and like these dudes tend to stick around longer. And I do think talent shines through eventually like Devonte Adams, man, like he didn't do anything. He took a couple of years. 
he didn't do anything the first few years and then he finally blossomed and they just have the ability to stick around so I'm much like I mean these dudes could end up in the worst situations possible and honestly I'm like you know drooling thinking about the value that you're going to get there because I mean if they're really good wide receivers they're going to make their quarterback better and they're going to make their team better and their team's going to you know evolve around them eventually so just to throw that out there running backs the window's just shorter so you want to get more out of them right away depending on where they land all right let's wrap up today let's wrap up talking about combine guys i know we skipped over tight end there's basically three guys that's probably going to be two years away from talking about relevance we know tight ends take a long time to develop we got to hear it i gotta get max's favorite tight end bro my favorite tight end is darnell washington that makes me so happy dude oh my gosh bro it was insane what he did at the combine. <laughs> Peter was gonna about to ask the question, who's the your one guy that like you're planting your flag on? We're all planted on this guy. He got okay. behind Brock Bowers. He dude has one-handed cut to the combine electric. You guys should watch him move the sled. He actually moved the I've sled like a freaking man. And six seven. Michael six Mayer. Seven. Michael Mayer was like struggling with it and out of breath after about two yards. So Max, I Max, I forgot. Out. I forgot to put up fantasy points. You have to block guys. Don't care, Peter. <laughs> Don't care. This guy, I've seen him rise up in mock drafts. End of the first round. I saw him go to Cincinnati. I've seen him go to Seattle. I don't care, man. Any of these teams that need a tight end, you put this six foot seven monster behemoth mm-hmm. dude. Bro, four six four. Thank you. Four six four sixty. I like it. Right I, I'd still I'd still hold out another year and try to get Brock Bowers. But yeah, you could get this guy probably in the third round. I mean, yeah, he's I think you'll him. get it'll be so much earlier than the third round. This is I like this pick for you, Max, saying he's gonna rise in value. I mean, he probably will. He's going in the thirds of like mocks right now. I mean, he's he didn't really do anything in college, but a couple years ago, I, I don't know where I was. I happened to look up at a game in Darnell Washington came across the middle, one-handed this ball, like stiff-armed two dudes to the ground, and he was so much bigger than everyone else. Ever since then, I've been on this dude, and I would go look, and he wasn't doing anything at Georgia, and no one was talking about him. So I was like, ah, he's just going to be a blocking tight end. No, man. Like, I could see someone turning him into, like, a Jared Cook, man. Like, he's a oh, big, strong dude. Jared Cook. That's athletic That's not sarcastic for the new viewers. I love Jared Cook. Yeah, no. I, I, I mean, Jared Cook was a baller in his prime. I mean, like, he's not built like Jimmy Graham, but I think he could be in a role like that where he's just catching a ton of touchdowns because he's bigger and stronger than everyone. Like, like Shaq is a tight end, man. Like, I'm Max. all about this, Max. I got a question for you. Who's the best Washington? Darnell, George, or Seattle? Or Denzel. Or Denzel. Darnell, man. He's my guy. I, okay. I'm in fact <laughs> Confirmed here, better uh, than George Washington. I'm, <laughs> I'm planting my flag. I mean, he's literally like, you know, Darnold Parham. Donald, yes. Donald Parham. Bro, the guy, that guy I love too, until he got that neck injury, and I was like, rip Parham. But you take Darnell Washington – and you put him like Nixie's looking it up right now, height and weight. Darnell Parham, 6'8, 238. Wait. Darnell Washington is 6'7, yeah. 264. Bro, this yeah. man could just destroy so many people. I'm in. It's a big boy. I love this. Max plants his flag. 
just like uh, I was saying before I rudely got interrupted by him, cough, cough, uh, we're going to be planting our flags on guys. Doesn't matter the position. Who is your guy in this upcoming class? Obviously, you can go the basic route and pick one of the elite prospects, but I'd prefer you to try to stay on the fringes. We all know who mine is, A.T. Perry. We've talked about him enough. Only His stock only rose during the combine. Uh, six, three and a half at the measurement. I thought he was more towards a six, four and a half size. Uh, but again, an inch really isn't going to change much. He was the, he has the fifth best production score. He finished with a four, four, seven, 40, which is a lot better than people expected him to. Uh, and he is an absolute athlete. I do think that he, you're going to find him late in the second round. If he doesn't go to an elite team late in seconds, if he doesn't go to an elite team, just because he is a uh, red shirt senior, very old dude. Uh, but Listen, he, his measurables were just off the charts, uh, 33 and a quarter inch arms. His hand size is nine and a quarter. Everybody's been down on him. He didn't have the best season this past season, but his season before. So his uh, junior season was absolutely phenomenal. He weighed in a little, little light for my side. I think with the right NFL program, he can put on another 10, 15 pounds of muscle over the next couple of years. I'm not saying he's going to be elite next year but watch out for him in the Devontae Adams type, you know, take a couple of years to develop and become a superstar, A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. I love it, Peter. You just uh, traded up to 202 to get some A.T. Perry today, actually. I just, I traded into 202 just so I could have the flexibility to know where he's going to go and to get him if he moves up. That was, that's smart, man. You're all about it. You've been on him for a long time. I, the cat's starting to get out of the bag, though, man. Starting to get out of the bag. It has been his for a little film, bit. His game film is berserk. Yeah, he is a he's a freak. It's going to be exciting to see where a guy like that lands. Because um, there's some teams that could use a guy like him for sure. All right, Jace. I'm going to plant my flag down for Nixie. This is a guy that you put me on. He has been in the the shadows of Bijan Robinson his entire career. It's Roshan Johnson out of Texas. I just it reeks of Sony Michelle Nick Chubb vibes where just two really good prospects and this one especially landing behind a premier like you know no doubt first round running back like Bijan Robinson this dude has really been stuck in the shadows I you know he didn't test super great but watch his game film he is just a pure eye test guy for me he just runs like an NFL running back I I think I Pacheco think he's, style. yeah, Pacheco style, but I mean, he is a big barreling dude, r- downhill runner. And I think he could find himself as the lead back in a committee and put up like Damian Harris type numbers eventually. And Dar- Damian Harris for a while, I know you might scoff at that, but there for a while, people were throwing around first round picks for that guy and he doesn't catch passes. Johnson, I do think he has a little bit of that ability because that's kind of the role that is had in Texas. Um, maybe that was developed through having a guy like B. John Robinson, but Johnson can snag it a little bit. I love that, Jason. All right, Nick C, super producer, Mr. Tapped in himself. He can go the easy route with his boy, Quentin Johnston, but will he go off the beaten path? Who are you planning your flag on? I'll play the game. I'll play the game, try to go with a more uh, kind of sleeper guy, but for me, it's going to be Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, tight end. He's 6'4", 246, 
didn't really test at the combine, but just from the film and stuff that I've seen from him, I, I started to really like him probably as at my tight end one in the class, even over Washington, but just because of his pure hands ability, this dude catches almost everything thrown his way. I saw something, I think he, he had a 1.9% drop rate for his whole career in college, which is pretty nuts, man. And another thing too, just look up Utah versus USC Dalton Kincaid highlights. I, I think he went for like 11 and 184 for like two or three tugs on USC. And I saw that. And obviously one game is, is one game, but he has some other highlight plays throughout the year. And I think if he gets a good landing spot, I mean, he could be, he could be something good uh, in the next like year or two. Gabe Davis, one game King. Do <laughs> Do you, uh, would you rather have any of these tight ends in this class over our boy, Trey McBride? I would rather have Trey McBride. Uh, I know he's a little bit smaller prototyped. Um, I think just knowing that he's going to be there in Arizona and Ertz is going to be retiring soon. I think that McBride's going to have the opportunity to flash and be the pass catcher that the offense needs, given the fact that, they basically are going to have Hollywood Brown and that's it. You know what I kind of want to do? What you want to do? Let's hear it. I kind of want to get like 204, 205, 206 and just take the three tight ends back to back to back and let them rot on my taxi. And you could do that. Honestly, it's not a bad strategy. One of them, know. one of them should maybe hit. I think you Question can even mark. get them. I think that tight ends. Just given how long they take, people aren't willing to wait for those kind of people. Um, I think I can get Darnell Washington at 209. I really do. I think Max, I think you could get him at 210. I think you could get him. I mean, I've been he's I got 305, I think, in that league. I've been thinking, hey, that'd be pretty nice if you fell into my lap there. So I, I think Max, I just might take him at 202. I'd have to trade a first for him. <laughs> my guy. All right. We wanted to thank everyone for making it to the end of the episode. Any parting thoughts before we log off? I still can't believe there's people out there that will decline two seconds for a kicker. I just can't. I still can't <laughs> believe there's people out there that don't understand the value of a kicker that'll be on your roster for 10 years and will finish top three every single year. I'm voting to abolish the kicker this offseason. All right. Any other final comments, concerns, questions? Super producer. I did have one. I think if my math is right, I saw Ian Rap. Well, it's not my math. It's Ian Rappaport's math, but <laughs> saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport 50 days until the NFL draft. So that's what I'm yeah, looking okay. for, man. Trip to Philly. Here. Get your tickets. All right. We're, we're rocking it. We're going to Philly. All right. It has been decided there will be a dynasty monarchy podcast episode from the city of brotherly love during the nfl draft wanted to thank everyone for making it to the end again another week a lot of fantasy news coming up i want you in your own time to go into your quiet place this week and i want you to say a prayer for me that i make it to the end of the week with aaron Rodgers. because if i don't i don't know what i'm going to do with my life i really don't it's just going to be uh just pain and suffering and torture for another year of being a Jets fan and the second Mike White and or Zach Wilson run out of that tunnel for week one, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. So say a prayer for me 
Uh, pray to the hat man. I know Aaron Rodgers has been visited by him a couple times. Do whatever you got to do to get him there. You know who I hope the Jets get, Peter? Who? Rodway Baker. Oh, yeah. That would be sick. That would be so sick. A consolation prize like Baker. Thank you for making it to the end, everyone. It's been such an honor talking to you tonight. Uh, we will we will hear from you next week. Uh, I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield, please. It's not, it's let not. me, I'll send let you me my go jersey. from this, Nick. Cut it here. Nick, please oh, cut it here. There's one quarterback that reached out to a team in the playoffs, the 49ers, about coming back. You know who I hope you get, Peter? I hope Phillip Rivers comes out of retirement and plays for the Jets. Oh, uh, All right. We'll Elijah Moore season. Short eight we'll talk, we'll talk to everyone next week. If you can't see, uh, I'm literally just uh, convulsing right now over the concept of not having an elite quarterback next year. Again, thank you to everyone for making it to the end. We'll see you next week for some more free agency madness and potential pro day numbers. Peace. I hope you get Philip Rivers. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens. <laughs>